Now, live from the historic River Market District in Kansas City, Missouri, from the banks of the beautiful crystal clear blue waters of the Missouri River, comes Two Douchebags and a Microphone Podcast. Parkridge family, fucking Brady Bunch. I'm screwing everything up. This is going to be a horrible podcast. We'll just have to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to start off with cruise stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You've been on a cruise. You were you were out of contact for a bit. Yes, I was. And I did try to get a podcast in. Well, I didn't officially try to. Number one, there was three hours difference because of where we were at. So true, true. anytime you were done with dinner and excursions and everything during the day, by the time I could get around, to talking to Christopher is like one or two in the morning yeah. and number two I'd be talking to my mom in the morning you know she's watching our dogs just the five minutes I was on the phone with her I, I would go in and out and she'd go what what it, it would not have worked yeah so yeah. I think there's just not there's a technology gap that we couldn't overcome the, the internet on the boat wasn't as good as I thought it was the yeah. last boat I was on the internet was sharp and clear I could talk to anybody and it sounded uh, like a regular phone connection mm-hmm. so or as good as cell phones get you know not a landline but good a really yeah. good connection so this didn't work out so here we're giving you some new ones um uh, really quick christopher uh, is going to clean up some of the deep sky stuff we got a couple hours of him mm-hmm. that we're going to be putting on this or the next one or a podcast here coming soon i'm going to try to get in contact with him i found his number if we do get in contact with him, if he didn't bail back to California or wherever yeah. he said he was from, if he's not on the run or whatever, yeah. I want to go start to finish Deep State. Yeah. When it started, where we're at now, and what the end game is. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've looked up so many different theories. One of the big theories is that the Deep State is the descendants of Christ. Christ had a secret family that nobody blood knew about. Blood descendants, yeah. Yeah, and they're all blood descendants, and that is how these people are running the world, is because they are the royalty of the world, if you will. They contain or the DNA of Christ. Yes. Imagine what a power that would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, we talked about Lyndon Johnson and how, you know, he used to whip his schlong out. I mean, you know, they could have went up to Lyndon Johnson, you know what? I have Christ blood in me. He would have ran off. No, Game, no. set, and match. Yeah, no death shaking there. <laughs> yeah. Nope. nope, that would have been it. be like, okay, Here, I'll put my wiener back. Yeah. I'm sorry. Turtles pulling back into but, a shell. But shower. take a look at it before I put it back. I'm going to put it back real slow. I want you to see how huge it is. <laughs> so, anyhow, let's see. My cruise. Okay, well, first off, I would like to start off with this. Seattle is a fantastic city. It's been ruined by the politics and everything going on there, in my opinion. A lot of stuff going on, the homelessness, all this stuff um, really hurts the city. There, there was people, a time when it was taken, the section of it was taken over by, by an, anarchists Antifa or Antifa or, whatever, or yeah, whatever they, they stood for. But Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and uh, You can see what a lasting while. impact they had by how little we remember them. They all, they all went back in the rat holes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyhow, these, uh, these uh, peaceful beatniks that took it over um, actually <laughs> killed some people, and they found them there later and all that, so, you know. And I remember they were, they were, they were an anti-police, you know, we don't need police, we don't need police. And then at one point, there was, like, some big, big-ass crime went on, and somebody got shot, and then what do they do? 
they begged the police to come in and help them. I would have been like, fuck you guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. You guys don't need us. You said you don't need us. You guys <laughs> take like, care of it. We just figured out what the police are good for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, like I said before, the people that want to defund them, most of them. Some of them are not, but most of them are in gated communities. They don't have to fucking worry about it. Mm-hmm. Me, Christopher, we got to live out here in the rat hole. In the real world. Yeah, where people <laughs> do stupid shit constantly. Yeah. You know what? I want someone I can call with a gun. Yep. End of story. So. And well, even at that, you're waiting for him to show up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a perfect system, and, mm-hmm. it's, uh, and it's getting worse. And why in the world would someone want to go be a cop right now? Oh, my God. Why? You imagine going home every night thinking, oh, my God, I survived another day. I wasn't shot and I'm not on trial for killing somebody. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. If you don't pull your gun out quick enough, you might be the one on the slab. Mm-hmm. If you pull your gun out too quick and things go wrong, these are snap decisions people have to make. I'm not saying there isn't things going on. George Floyd, that guy murdered him. I'm sorry. Um, I forgot his name. The cop. Um, yeah, I did too. But yeah. That well, guy we should him. remember George Floyd more than we should remember the cop who killed him. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was murder, in my opinion. No one could ever convince me of anything <laughs> different. The guy deserves to be in prison. Um, anyhow, the other cops, I don't know what all their stories is. I'd have to look at it individually mm-hmm. and see if someone did protest, say something. But anyhow, the guy that did that, yeah, he murdered him. There's no way ever should you have to use that much force on somebody in my opinion and look i i'm conservative on a lot of different levels but on this one i very much do believe that that is the truth of it that you never have to use that much force on somebody yeah so anyhow back to my crew seattle (laughs) not a perfect city but it's a beautiful city it is i've been there a few times i like it i like it a lot it is just it's beautiful and it started out great the flight there um, was supposed to be three and a half hours. We got there in three hours. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was tailwind. Excellent. Yeah, tailwind. <laughs> we got there early. We got there so early that people had time to explain to us about the uh, L train that runs there. Wow, I've never I've never ridden that. It's fantastic. It goes up near the mountains. Wow. Not in the mountains, but close to the mountains. Mm-hmm. It goes through every section of town before it goes to downtown. It goes along the coast. It is just a beautiful creation. Uh, and that is one of the things that I have to give C- Seattle a lot of props for. There's a lot of things, too. Yeah, they have some yeah. very unique things there. So, um, anyhow, you know, we um, we go on the cell train because people had time to explain it to us. They were waiting for their rides because they were early. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, their son or somebody, you know, someone they knew lived there. Yeah. And they said, well, oh, you want to get to uh, um, Crown Plaza downtown where we we're staying at? Yeah. Okay, here's where you go. You go on the L train. It's three bucks, and we didn't know because it was actually uh, a Memorial Day that it was free. There's no one there to take your money, oh, wow. so we paid our three bucks for nothing. <laughs> you made a nice donation. Yeah, we made a nice donation to something. <laughs> so yeah, we get up there with our tickets. We're like, same here. Take uh, tickets. <laughs> they'll, they'll come along when we get off. You watch. As soon as we get off, there'll be someone going, hey, let's see your tickets. Yeah. Nope. I still have the <laughs> ticket at home. <laughs> souvenir. So, yeah. Yeah. Souvenir. So we get off literally two blocks from uh, downtown um, uh, Crown Plaza. 
Mm -hmm. The only, the worst part of it is carrying your luggage up two sets of stairs because at that point the L train is underground. Ah. In a lot of places like Chicago and New York even, well, New York has a subway and then they have the trains and all that. Yeah. Well, it's like Chicago where the train will go underground or above ground depending on the situation. Yeah. Well, at this one downtown, it's underground and carrying up suitcase uh, suitcases up two flights is very steep stairs, concrete stairs. Wasn't a lot of fun. No, no, no. But, no. you know, it would have probably cost about 60 bucks to get us there. So we saved a lot of money and we was able to get on the train in like three minutes at the most. Nice, nice. Yeah, we didn't have to wait all these Ubers and all that. Yeah. <laughs> but the Uber situation there is fantastic. <clears throat> I, I was in an Uber or a Lyft every time I summoned one within three minutes. Cool. That is almost, uh, that's unheard of. That's pretty, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so it was really good. So this happened to us again in Seattle, which was excellent. And we just have a knack for this. Somehow we just show up at the right time. Mm -hmm. uh, before on a previous podcast, I talked about Ocean Manor and, and you know, we go there. It's a, you, it, it's a resort in Florida and Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And it's, we we may not be going there very much anymore. That's the one that Dennis Rodman was at, and all this shenanigans oh, yeah. and shit going yeah. on, and Michael Irvin and all that. They, the guys, the guy that owns them is friends with him, according to one some of the people who work there. He likes them staying there. You know, he probably gives them a penthouse for free. Yeah. Because then people like me go back to Kansas City and go, man, I met Michael Irvin and Dennis <laughs> yeah. Rodman, and then yeah, idiots like me come go. down. Yeah, they're like, hey, where was that? And as a matter of fact, a couple of guys I used to work with. Now, one of them's a real douchebag, and anyhow, he's a dipshit and a motherfucker, and I hope he goes there, and I hope Dennis Rodman butt fucks him. So, anyhow, uh, they're they're wanting to go there because of that, and I gave him the name and number, and uh, anyhow, you know who you are if you're listening, you fucking piece of shit. So, anyhow, uh, anyhow, speaking of that, real quick, fuck you, you pieces of fucking trash that I used to work for. One of the motherfuckers came into my work the other day in my line. Eat my ass, you fuck, you fucktards! It's over. I'm no longer there. Give it up. Fuck you guys. Eat my ass. I hate you. Hate every fucking one of you. So anyhow, they're still carrying a torch for you. Yes, they are. Real estate in their heads. <laughs> okay. Anyhow, fuck you guys. Go to hell. Anyhow, okay. Uh, get the Crown Crown Plaza downtown Seattle. Yeah. Great fucking place. Mm -hmm. Go in there, right? And uh, just like uh, down there at uh, Ocean Manor in Fort Lauderdale, this happened to us. I'll go ahead and go to the Fort, uh, to the Fort Lauderdale one first. Mm -hmm. This is uh, last year. Me and Val go in there. And um, the, um, uh, what, what do you call them? The, the consigliere or whatever. Concierge. The concierge. Yeah, whatever yeah. the fuck it is. Okay. <laughs> the, the concierge guy. It's a uh, French he, word. Yeah, 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 yeah. You fucked him. <laughs> <laughs> this is starting off really good already, isn't it? <laughs> fuck them. Fuck everybody. Yes. So, yeah, I go in there, and, uh, and the, the concierge guy is fighting with some fuckers over how much the penthouse is going to be. Hmm. And he goes, no, no, no. We told you it's 1700 a night. No, 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 no. No, we're not going to pay. We're not going to take, you know, $800. There's no way. So anyhow, he's he's get, getting red faced because the guy just keeps fucking with him on the phone. Yeah. So he hangs up, and I'm like, yeah, you know, um, uh, Mark, you know, I'm here, you know, I showing him my Priceline shit or whatever, however yeah. I booked it. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you know what? I'm gonna give you the penthouse. <laughs> 
Excellent. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he goes, my night girls will just give it to some idiot anyhow. They'll tear it up. Yeah. And he didn't want to give it to that fuck on the phone that kept... He was going to call back with, in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was officially gone. It was rented out. And it was rented nice. to me for like 150 bucks or something. So we got this huge penthouse, and this was just luck of the draw. So we oh, go to it. downtown Seattle, Crown Plaza, walk in there, and this lady is just getting badgered by this guy. He was, uh, you could tell he was like a yuppie piece of crap, mm. well-to-do guy. And there's a line almost out the door, people trying to check in, because there's three cruises going out the next, no, two that day, and then our cruise going out the next day. There's all these Alaskan cruises, because June and the end of May is some of the most popular times for cruises, because the weather is so good up there. Yeah, that imagine. people love to go there during that time. They got like three months to do this, and then after that, people don't want to go up there because it's too cold. And yeah, or the so, bugs are out during the hot parts. Yeah, the fucking mosquitoes that carry you off, and, you know, <laughs> kill your firstborn, whatever. <laughs> so, when I get in there, and we're in this line, and this yuppie douchebag that us, not a good douchebag. Uh, no. My name is Mark. I'm Christopher. We are two douchebags and a microphone. Pleased to meet you. Hi. <laughs> I got my penis out. <laughs> Dick's out for Harambe. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the world went to shit. Yeah. It is. Harambe. Yeah, Harambe. We love you. R.I.P. Wherever you are, you big lovable ape. Mm. Big ape kisses. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> this douchebag cuts in line in front of everybody. I want to speak to the manager right now. Sir, you're going to have to get to the back of the line like anyone else coming in. No, I need to speak to him right now. And you could tell it was just nothing. Like, maybe they, I don't know, um, left a pillow in the wrong place oh, or something. The yeah. guy was just a complete tool bag. He was a male Karen. Yes. And, and that is, coincidentally... One of the four types of cruisers we will go into later. Ah, the preview. overbearing Karen. Uh, but uh, nice. we will get to that later. Yes. So she looks at me and she goes, how would you like a, a suite? You can see the look on that guy's <laughs> face. And so I think this was his suite, by the way it looked. Uh-huh. And I go, what? She goes, yeah. She goes, you know, you guys need to check in early. Your, flame, your plane was early. You called a couple of weeks ahead of time has said that because the flight got, the flight got switched around we're supposed to arrive yeah. there a little bit later and it wasn't our fault and we offered to show them the proof and said look you know we'll even pay more you know but we'd like to get in a little bit early yeah so well we'll see what we can do they didn't promise anything but the lady said well I see on these notes that you you asked for a view you asked if you get in early because your flights were switched around so mm-hmm. how about if we just give you a suite <laughs> well sure and this was a beautiful suite. Uh, it was a four-room suite with a living room and a big window that you could nice. look out and see the Space Needle and see the coast, uh, the harbor. You could see the Ferris wheel, everything that nice. Seattle is pretty much. You could see part of Mount Rainier, I believe it was, to the left. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of, uh, what is the other one? Um, Olympus. Or Olympic. Olympia. Olympia, yeah. You can see a little bit of the other mountain. I think the snow-capped one, they said, was Rainier. <laughs> and the one that was not a snow-capped was Olympia. 
So you can see a little bit of both of them is actually the perfect room. Nice. And it was 28 stories up, so it was far enough Ooh, up. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I tried to do a pressed hand, but nobody could see me. <laughs> yeah. I sat there for two minutes, and, you know, it, I, you know things just started going numb, so I stopped. <laughs> So once again, we get on a suite for like 150 bucks. We're just great timing. She's yeah. Like, sure. So we get this suite, and the only thing about a suite that nice is it makes it so hard to leave. Oh yeah. We're just sitting there in the couch, looking out at the scenery, just you know, just enjoying enjoying this. It's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're we're gonna have to force ourselves to go down there. Yeah. <laughs> and go do stuff. So we ended up walking down to the wharf, which was all downhill, and took about five minutes because it was all downhill. It was on a large hill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was just straight down. And then it turned out that the Pike Place Market was just three blocks away, too. It was the ideal location. Nice. And Pike Place Market is one of my one of my favorite markets. I, I love the Boston Public Market. Pike Place is really good. Um, the one in Kansas City is really good. The city market there, the river mm -hmm. market is yeah. really good. I've always been fond of the old market districts because that's where everything was based off in most of these cities yeah. when when they were formed. Everything was there. There's food, is life. Yeah. Or yeah. they came down on the barges or the ocean on the bar, you know, barges on the ocean. Mm -hmm. And these markets were life. So they were there so early and a lot of these areas have not changed yeah i know yeah. the river market you could look at the river market in kansas city the pictures from the 1800s and now and you can tell it's the same place mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's of course updated but you can tell it's the same place yeah the structures are pretty much the same they were rebuilt whatever but in, in there's the same a continuity way, there yeah same yeah. way with the um, Pike Place, Boston Public Market. I was trying to think. There's another market I can't remember where it was. I was really impressed with it. I was like, that's the kind of market that I love. Mm. I think it might have been Philadelphia. Like like I mentioned, I used to work out of town quite a bit. Yeah. And that's one of the first places I'd do is I'd find a coffee house at one of the... Oh, Nashville. Oh, cool. Nashville had a really cool city market, River World Market, or whatever they call it. Yeah. And uh, really fond of Nashville and Philadelphia's, too. I'm sure there's a lot of them that I, I will never know about. But um, those were really nice markets, and they had really good coffee houses in it. Oh, yeah. And really enjoyed the coffee there. The one in Nashville really reminded me of the coffee house here in Kansas City that we don't operate in but out in front out of uh, yeah. out out of the front is uh, city market coffee in Kansas City yeah they both uh, use um, I think it's Peruvian beans Peruvian beans both oh, of them use okay. Peruvian beans and they both use a roaster that looks very similar and the taste is very similar oh okay yeah and I told them about each other <laughs> and I, I can't remember whether they communicated or if they just said, yeah, those guys can suck me. I can't remember. <laughs> but I did tell them about each other. And I think they acted mildly inter interested, but yeah. they'd probably wipe their Curious. ass with it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's their card. Yeah. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> they threw it in this box with them under the other cards. <laughs> Fuck you with your Americano and your fucking almond milk. <laughs> so... Anyhow, it, uh, it, I really love Pike Place. 
then they had all the fish the fresh fish which yeah. i hate fish but you know it's fun to look at big huge halibut they're fun to catch too oh yeah yeah i would <laughs> love to have done that actually yeah yeah so and then we went on a little tour uh, a little harbor cruise before the big cruise oh nice oh that was great it they uh, something we'll get into a little later they told some stories there like the edgewater hotel the Edgewater mm-hmm. Hotel has a lot of history to it. You probably, a lot of people listening to this has probably heard something about the Edgewater Hotel. Matter of fact, it's not just the Beatles that had a big thing there. Yeah. I believe this is where the chick got fished by Led Zeppelin. Oh. Yeah, I knew you'd remember, yeah. Christopher. Yeah, the uh, the old fish in the old, um, 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 uh, the snapper in the snapper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that old trick, that old gimmick. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, you see it all the time in children's books. And even, oh, yeah, yeah, the so. snapper in the snapper. <laughs> I think it's called the snapper in the hat, and then it went to the cat in the hat, wasn't it? Wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, something so, like that. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, the snapper in the hat. Yeah. <laughs> so. It was Dr. Zeus, though. Yo, Dr. Yes. Zeus, snapper in the hat. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, I think that's where Led Zeppelin did the old, um, you know, the snapper and the snapper. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah that old gag. So yeah. anyhow, um, this Edgewater Hotel is very famous. But yeah. the story he told on this little harbor cruise was really cool. And I'm going to share it with everybody later, whether you like it or not. You know what? <laughs> you got a forward button, right? I think. I don't yeah. know. You know, I like this. We're we're teasing them with little parts, you know. That's right. Coming up later, and you know, some of these things we're teasing, we may never actually say or tell you. You know, you're just going to be wondering if you missed it. Yes, <laughs> kind of like Mr. Creepy with his left ball. You know, yeah. Every now and then, just kind of like pops out just a little, yeah. and then it goes back. It's just like a little tease. It's it comes like, out to remind you it's still there somewhere. Hi there, <laughs> hi fellas. <laughs> and then it zips away. <laughs> So, speaking of Mr. Creepy, I think he's going to make a comeback on this podcast. Yes, yes, yeah. I think we've resolved our differences, and Mr. Creepy is back on board and ready to be creepy. Look, we told him his demands of 2,000 dildos was not going to do it. <laughs> he was just trying to see how much he could get us for. Yeah. Yeah, he was... I'm yeah. not proud of what I did for a Klondike bar. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but Mr. Creepy, he drives a hard bargain. Yes, I'm telling you. hard bargain. Hard bargain. Yes. So, anyhow, Mr. Creepy, yeah, you know what? No, don't come here. No, stay gone. Stay gone right now. <laughs> it's daylight out. You know what? He, he's going to, he, he'll come. Twilight comes around. He might come roaming around in his big creepy shoes. Who knows? That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. He's, he does have a number of restraining orders out against him. So, if he, if he operates more in the, you know, twilight and the dark, he doesn't get... He doesn't get violated for his, you know, violating his restraining orders, I thought. Well, there's a school too close. True, true. Yeah. We do have a school We close, have Center so. School District right down the road here, and I think he's too close to it. Yeah, yeah. So we're, yeah. So the only way he can come in and do a podcast with us is to probably, uh, you know, maybe put on a fake wig or something and get in yeah. a different car. His Groucho Marx glasses with the big nose and the mustache. Those work great. Nobody oh, ever questions yeah. them. Yeah, it looks, no one it's, ever it looks so real. Them. You just blend right yeah, in. Yeah, you, you blend in with so many people because <laughs> so many people look like Groucho Marx with those, you know. I mean, Two douches. Two douches. Two Okay, so another thing is... Um, Okay, 
you know, Seattle is known for grunge. Yes. Okay, Seattle, I had this pointed out to me a couple of times, and they're absolutely correct on this. Seattle is a music city. Yeah, it is. It's comparable to Nashville Mm -hmm. with all the music that's going on. Now, Nashville is known for country, but there is almost as much other types of music going out in Nashville as there is I mean metal oh yeah Yeah. a lot of metal a lot of rock a lot of pop Nashville may have made made their name in country but any genre of music yeah you can find in Nashville it's the same way and you can find really good versions of your whatever music you like there are a lot of good musicians in that town it's like Austin, Texas is also the same although they're not known for any specific type of music Mm -hmm. Um, but Austin is a big music city too I mean believe it or not Kansas City is still pretty big for jazz it always has been New Orleans too well Seattle of course they're known for grunge Mm -hmm. but there's so many bands that came out of Seattle that were not grunge Queensryche they were not grunge. No. Jimi Hendrix. No. He was not grunge. Heart. Heart. I was, yeah. Was not grunge. Um, there's a lot of other ones, too. I mean, Foo Fighters was a product of grunge. Yeah. But they're not grunge. I mean, Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses. He's yeah. from Seattle. Uh, you know, there's just so many of these other ones. The presidents of the United States, they weren't grunge. But, no. I mean, they were big for, I, I mean, they're kind of gimmicky, yeah, but, I mean, they're from Seattle, Sir Mix-a-Lot, um, let's see, who else here? I had a couple other ones. And then, then there are bands that move to Seattle just so they get discovered. Yes. Like uh, Stone Temple Pilots were yeah, originally were from, from San, San Diego. Diego. Yeah. yeah. And they moved to Seattle because of the music scene Mm -hmm. so they kind of fit in with seattle sound but they were a southern california band yes and also they did not sound like that before they sounded completely different if you can get some of their old tapes i forgot what name they were under i think it was was it mighty joe young that sounds i wouldn't swear on it but i think that sounds like i think it was mighty joe young yeah i sometimes get that confused because there's a song called the mighty quinn Mm-hmm. But this, I think, I think Stone Temple Pilots used to be called Mighty Joe Young. I believe you're correct on that, yeah. and the music was completely different. So they saw an avenue. They went to Seattle, and they did the sound, and they did it very well. They did. They did. They wrote a lot of good music. Yes, they did. I mean, the thing about um, about Stone Temple Pilots is, or STP, if you will, is their music wasn't really actually grunge in my opinion you know they had uh, they had a lot of different types of ballads like the one mm-hmm. off the crow yeah um, I'm blanking on that me too and then they had Big Bang Baby which was like a 70s mm-hmm. type of song yeah I see uh, exactly uh, what you're saying it's like they wrote a lot of music in a lot of different styles but just like they layered a grunge sound over it Whereas a band like Soundgarden is just soaked in it. Yes. I mean, they, they couldn't write anything that wasn't grunge without really working really hard at it. Pearl so, Jam. Yeah, I mean, they were just saturated with it. I think with Stone Temple Pilots, they came and they added that to their sonic palette. Yes. Not, you know, maybe partly as, as you know, bandwagoning. 
but also because the sound was very good it was very interesting it had a lot of potential a lot of a lot of ways you could use it so they added it to their southern california sound without just you know turning into a grunge clone their bandwagging didn't it did it didn't matter because the underlying talent was so deep absolutely their songwriting i mean Scott Weiland is probably the biggest focal point of why they sounded um, grunge. Yeah, because yeah. of his vocals. He could definitely, he could definitely do that. Yeah. And uh, there are songs where he sounded very close to Kurt Cobain. Very close. Yeah. But then another one I didn't realize till not that long ago, Lane Staley sounded identical. To Kurt Cobain on certain songs. He did. Not uh, yeah, all I, know of them, you, I know what you mean. But on some of them, you're like, oh my God, that just sounded just like Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Uh, you know, from from my perspective, you know, I, I listen to the music mostly, or primarily, I listen to the instruments and then the vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would hear the song and think, okay, that's Alice in Chains, but why is Kurt Cobain singing for them? And then I realized, oh, okay, that's Lane Staley. That's exactly what I did, yeah. too. I'm like, oh, my God. So whereas know? some people would recognize the vocal and, and think, okay, this is Nirvana, I recognize the music, the, the musicians, the music, <laughs> the, the music and the musicians. I could tell that was Alice in Chains playing. Mm-hmm. And then when the vocals came in, it was like, wait a minute. Is this like a you know featuring Kurt Cobain on vocals kind of thing? But oh, it yeah. was it was Lane doing his best Kurt Cobain impersonation. <laughs> yeah, or hey, we don't know. Maybe Kurt Cobain was doing his best Lane Staley impression. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure which one was first. Uh, I you know I, I know there's there's I probably a lot of simultaneousness of the... to that because they kind of developed together. Yeah, you know, let's know? see. Mother Love Bone was one of the first ones out over yeah. there of the new sound. First, mm-hmm. they sounded glam, and then they, like, quit being glam, and, and then Andrew Wood died and all that. But yeah. after they quit being glam, they went into this new sound. Yeah. And I believe that was Andrew Wood also, but then that became Pearl Jam. Yeah. Like, half of Mother Love Bone became Pearl Jam after Andrew Wood died. Yeah. But before Andrew du- Wood died, Mother Love Bone became more grunge. Yes, they were changing. They were changing. Yeah. So, um... I would say maturing, because... Maturing, yes. There were a lot of excellent 80s, you know, hair bands, metal bands, glam bands, whatever you want to call them. hmm But at the same time, there were a lot of wannabes. Yes. Who were getting way too much airplay. That's why the scene went to hell. Yeah. That's why the scene flamed out is because there's too many wannabes. Yeah. I remember I used to listen to National Z-Rock. Remember Z-Rock? Yeah. Yeah. Z-Rock was a great station until corporate got involved. Yeah. And then all you heard was like the firehouses. You know, baby, don't treat me bad. And it's like, uh, motherfuck, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to kill somebody. Yeah. I mean, I'm, pres- I'm impressed the guy can sing so high, but seriously, there's it, not much to that song. It was music. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, was just... That's why they got the name Butt Rock for that shit. <laughs> that's why it's called Butt Rock. I, I didn't realize that, but that's Well, awesome. I mean, I don't know. That's what I think, at least. I mean, it, they ruined it over saturation of bullshit. Yep, yep. And, I mean, at least we can say about grunge is it wasn't oversaturation of bullshit. It just kind of ran its course, and people yeah. were like, all right, we want to be happy again. It's kind of it's interesting the way grunge 
started mirrored kind of the way punk started, which was oh, protesting almost, yes. the overblown, overinflated, and way too heavily produced crap that was coming out of corporate mm-hmm. radio. Well, Guns N' Roses really kind of Guns N' Roses really started the trend, and then it went on to grunge. But the you know Guns N' Roses came out and they said you know, we're celebrating mass deflation of hairdos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When, it, when they you, were still glam <laughs> enough to get attention, but they were dirty enough to command respect. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. You know, because you look at some of those hair bands and you think, sure, they're jumping around playing this wild music, but you could knock one of them over with with a golf club. You know, you just push them right over, and they're so weak and, and fragile that <laughs> there's nothing to them. They're just no. some punk little piece of shit with wild hair yeah yeah that's it there's really no underlying angst or anything most of them probably if they were around here they would have grew up in leewood or something in the fluent area yeah and they had the money for the hairspray and the spandex and the nice uh, nice outfits the only thing they stood for is we want to get famous and have lots of pussy that's yes. what they stood for yes. themselves yeah and where Guns N' Roses that was came fun out, for a while, but then it's not fun anymore. Yeah, Guns N' Roses actually really kind of started. They came out and said, <laughs> "Fuck you guys." You know, we're gonna like not wear our shirts on stage, and mm-hmm. you know, and the part of us are just gonna look like dirt bags. They Other- dared to be ugly. Yes. Where it was all about pretty boys and glam and excitement and sparkles and makeup. Now it was like, yeah, all right, we just came out of our sweaty, dirty garage. I wiped my forehead with an oily rag from the lawnmower, and now we're going to rock your face off. Yes. That was their attitude, and a lot it, of people were like, about time. Thank yes. you. I was one of them going, <laughs> no finally kidding. something I can sink my fucking teeth into. If I have to hear Duran Duran on the radio one more time, I'm going to vomit, vomit. Yeah, the reflux. Or is that reflux? <laughs> okay, anyhow. Okay. Um, now, the, the thing is, is the only difference between really Guns N' Roses and then um, full-out grunge was Guns N' Roses still had a flamboyant lead singer. Yes. And it would poof his hair out mm-hmm. and sometimes wear it flat. He had the nipple rings in, had the tats, had the yeah. tight leather pants or whatever, the white leather pants or the or the goofy-ass little biker shorts they used to wear. Yeah. So, you know, with the cowboy boots, which always look great. Yeah, um, but you yeah. can always tell Guns N' Roses wanted to have... Uh, uh, they wanted to rock and rock hard and leave you worn out, but they also wanted to have a good time. With yes. the grunge bands, what they wanted to do was wallow in it. Yes. They wanted to get down into the mud and just wallow. Everything's ruined, thank you. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Was like, I mean, that was how it kind of started. And, and if you like anything, fuck you. Yeah. Yep. Stare at your shoes. Everything sucks. Might as well do heroin and then die. Yeah, and that's what they all pretty much did. And, you know, th- there was a difference between... And the between... one guy I always wanted to fucking go away was Eddie Vedder, and he's still alive. Yeah, he's Anyhow, still around. I'm sorry, go ahead. You were saying something. <laughs> I was saying that it was... it was. Well, Kurt Cobain said that grunge was just punk, but redone in a 90s style. And I've also heard it said that grunge was punk played by people who were good musicians. <laughs> um... <laughs> But the, the idea of punk was, we don't care if we can play, we're just bringing the passion and the anger and the frustration, and we're going to thrash our brains out. 
and the uglier or the, the harder we are to look at or the harder we are to hear, the better. Oh, speaking, okay. And then when grunge came along, it was like, you know, well, we want to do the music too and get our point across because we want to appeal to, you know, we're looking to make a change by getting into the minds of people like us. Mm-hmm. We're not just here to offend. We're here to make you think. And that's yeah. what grunge was about. Now, they had a very dark view of a lot of things. You know, a lot of the songs were very heavy and, and, and um, definitely not fun time music. But they did no. want you to think. I mean, they spent t- a lot of these musicians, musicians spent a lot of time writing the words that they wanted to express. I would say that they spent just as much time expressing lyrics finally mm-hmm. finally expressing lyrics as they did music yeah and it showed yeah so that was i mean i love that about grunge is that you could hear the emotion and the passion but they were into more than just you know i hate you and i want to offend you it's i hate the world and this is why mm-hmm and you know they draw you in and it's like they have a story to tell and, and if you're a part of it fuck you too yeah always, and, you know, then of course corporate landed on grunge like the latest fad and beat it into a dead horse and then flogged the dead horse until it was nothing left and now grunge and then grunge became a dirty word yeah you know? and, it really did and the thing is is the mass exit of grunge really wasn't a mass exit it was like lack of production yeah and, you know, a lot of bands felt like, okay, we made our point. It's time to move on. Mm-hmm. And that's healthy. I mean, actually, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, even like Chris Cornell did, too. Yeah. He went solo. Moved on to other and bands. And whenever had Euphoria yeah. Morning, like I still do, his solo album, one of them, and listened to the different types of music he was getting in on. Then he started doing collaborations. We we spoke at, about this with Alice Cooper, you know, mm-hmm. like Stolen Prayer and uh, what was the other? Uh, uh, Unholy War. Unholy War. Yeah. You know, um, he was branching out. He he made a statement. Then he went to Audio Slave, yep. which was completely different. Yeah, completely that was different. Yeah. So he was branching out, and I feel like he was like, you know. I, I, I made my point and I moved on in life you know he got, went through a terrible divorce from what I read and, and had some issues in life and then got past him and then evidently you know I don't know what happened later and you know he rejoined Soundgarden for the reunion tour much uh-huh. anticipated and I went and saw that and I thought it was an excellent show couldn't have gotten any better really yeah and so um it seems to me like he went back to revisit the glory days, maybe. Yeah, but that also probably brought up a lot of uh, the un- horrors. Unresolved horrors. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it, it's sad to think that, like, all this music that is so good comes from so much pain. Yeah. But some of the best music around that is angry, pissed off music. Yeah, it is. It, it's so from the heart. Yeah. That it is, uh, it's unchangeable. What it is is what it is. It's not overly produced. It can't be overly produced. It wouldn't yeah. be the same song. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, listen to Neil Young, some of his brilliant shit. Just sheer anger and protest. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, that really caught on too. For I remember a while, for a while, everybody was recording in their living room with some you know, little four-track deck or something. Mm-hmm. Springsteen put out at least one album where it was just recorded in his living room oh, with I, a yeah, four-track recorder. I've never been a huge Springsteen fan, but yeah. I did respect that. I was like, okay, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, and then uh, Cowboy Cowboy Junkies mm-hmm. have an album called The Trinity Sessions where they went to a church that Trinity was in the name of the church and they the band gathered around one single microphone and then they just all played there were no no overdubs no extra takes no uh, you know sound reinforcement here it's just everybody played their instrument and wow. one microphone picked up everything including the vocals didn't black sabbath do that on their first album or was it paranoid that I don't know. I think it's their first album because they yeah. virtually had no money to work with. Yeah, and that there are some some sixties, you know, iconic sixties albums that you know we I know. I think Led of. Zeppelin two was recorded, or was it one? It was done pretty much with room mics. Yeah, you know, they put everyone in a room. Actually, I think and both put of some them. mics around and just recorded it that way. Look at the brilliance coming from there. Yeah, and, and like we spoke before, John Bonham, not what he put in, what he left out. Yeah. He was the art of the beat that should be there, but isn't, but it's Uh brilliant. Yep. Nigel Olson, who played for Elton John early in his career, uh, picked up on that, too. He was very good at just these outrageous syncopations. I I would agree. If you listen to that guy, it's like, what the fuck is he doing? Hey, wait a minute. I like it. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. kind of like Bonham too. It's like, it's like what the? you never know where that snare is going to land. Like, is this guy Rick, <laughs> is this guy is Rick Allen? Is he missing an arm? <laughs> yeah. But good God, the way Bonham could play that one single kick drum with one foot and make it sound like three. He could I, do that. I, just was, amazing. Yeah. And, and to think, probably technically and everything, his son is probably a better drummer. But yeah. his son can never get the feeling his dad. There's, in there's my opinion, just something it's of a, just too mechanical. There's something of a swagger in John mm-hmm. Bonham's work. Well, just this, this, my balls are as big as my head swagger. I've got, a, I've got a great example, and I know you will get this, Christopher. I know you will, because okay. you and I like so musically inclined like this. This is what Richie Blackmore had against Satriani and people like that. Mm-hmm. It was too good no feeling and he said that and he got in a lot of shit yeah people were like oh he's jealous it's like no wait a minute wait a minute he's right Eddie Van Halen could do all that but he did it with feeling yeah he did it with so much emotion that you didn't even realize that uh, that these songs were so brilliant yeah you didn't yeah. realize that Eruption was so brilliant because there was so much emotion in it I'll, I'll, I'll give you two more examples of technical brilliance with lack of passion Okay, the first half of Neil Peart's career with Rush. Mm-hmm. I know. Go ahead. Lots of te- technical precision, but he just hammers everything mm-hmm. way too much. So he stopped, relearned how to play, and then the second half of his career, he plays with enormous amounts of feeling and passion. It's amazing. I, I, you could almost, to me, almost call him one of the best drummers ever. Yeah. Because of the second half of his career. Yeah, yeah. The first he, half... He put everything he had into it. Yeah, yeah. First half yeah. of his career, he's showing off. He's showing his brilliance. He's displaying all sorts of technique the second half of his career he's showing you his heart and his soul but he knew he knew when to stop yeah 
yeah. he, he he like had like a moment of clarity. Yeah. And he was like, okay. I mean, you listen to those first, you know, from albums two, three, four, etc. From Rush, he overplayed the shit out of all those songs, and everyone knows it. But he's just so damn good, nobody wants to say <laughs> he it. Was but still, yeah, he was still, yeah. He overplayed the shit out of those songs. <laughs> it's like they're, they're like eating Doritos in the other room, but just let it go, let it happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. You put in about 178 notes when three would have done. So uh. Getty Lee's in the corner. Take off to the great white north. Yeah. Take off. I'm just over here practicing. <laughs> okay. Well. Before I forget, here's my second example of technical brilliance without okay. the passion. Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> yeah. That was a big rap early in his career. Yeah, but then that he changed he it sounded, around like Neil Peart did. Yeah. Yeah. It was the thing is like he sounds so sweet and good and rich and his voice is just beautiful, but I don't believe word he's singing. Mm-mm. That was the rap on Harry Connick Jr. And he, so he went into acting for a while. And he was Which excellent was, at acting. Yeah, but that's the that's the uh, the tie-in. When you're singing the song, you're acting. I would agree. You've got to have that that actor part in you when you're a, in order to be a compelling lead singer. You got to be an actor too. Well, I mean, let's face it. Like a Janis Joplin, mm-hmm. not a good singer by any amount. No. But entertaining, Ozzy. Another one. Yeah. Not a good singer. Entertaining. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great at what they do. Whatever it is they do. Yeah. Yeah. Singer. Janis Joplin, Ozzy, not so much. But. Jim Morrison wasn't all that great of a singer. No. But he was just so captivating. The thing about Jim Morrison (laughs) is, is I know, the thing is, you either got the best show or the worst show ever. Yeah. When you saw him, you didn't know. Is, was he on that night or not? It was a crapshoot. It really was. They were pretty much the house band at, uh, um, was it the Rainbow or Whiskey? Ah, uh, let's see. It, it may have been the Whiskey. The Whiskey, the whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was the Whiskey where he, they did the song... Uh, um, Gloria? Was it? No, it, was it The End? The End, Yeah, yes. where he said, Father, I want to I want to kill you. Mother, Mother I, I want, want to, to fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah, yeah, and that's that brought the place down. And, and people they... thought that really meant something when he was just... <laughs> it's an Oedipal <laughs> thing. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was fucked out of his mind, and he wanted, uh, he wanted like, uh, to get reaction. Uh-huh. And that did it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you want to bang your mom? And then let's see. I think it was was it, I think it was also the whiskey, where Frank Zappa was at was at the whiskey one night, and this band came on and they were so horribly bad that partway through their first song the place emptied out, and Zappa was like, "Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. I got to know who this band is." Well, it was Alice Cooper. <laughs> and that before was before they actually really became Alice Cooper. Before they learned how to write songs, I mean, they were called Alice Cooper, but the, all yeah, all yeah, they no, had going um, for them was being loud and offensive. That was all they had. Alice Cooper didn't have they, his trademark makeup either. Yeah, no, or nothing. Uh-uh. I know no, what you're talking were, about. When they were playing with, uh, he had red hair still, didn't he? Or something. He was. Like he had red hair. He had blonde hair at one point. They were played a lot with sexual androgyny. You know, are they guys? Are they gals? <laughs> yeah, that's why when um, Marilyn Manson did that, I'm like, that already been done. Yeah. David Bowie, Alice Cooper. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When I saw Marilyn Manson at uh, Memorial uh, Memorial Hall in KCK. Mm-hmm. 
It was Marilyn Manson opened, and then the Jim Rose Sideshow Circus. Oh, yeah. And then it was Nine Inch Nails, Mm -hmm. and they were touring the Downward Spiral album. That would have been one fuck of a concert. And the, the, the great part was nobody knew who Marilyn Manson was at, at this show. That's it when was he still just, had Madonna Wayne Gacy. Uh-huh. And, uh, and um, Twiggy Ramirez. Yes. And what was the other one? They took a blonde and combined it with a serial killer, every one of their names. Yeah. Um, Madonna Wayne Gacy, Twiggy Ramirez, oh. Marilyn Manson, and there was another one that yeah. was the funniest name out of all of them. Yeah, it was, it was a good one. I'll look it up later but I remember reading their names and going oh my god that's brilliant yeah and and when I saw them perform I thought I've seen this exact almost this exact show watching old clips of Alice Cooper from 68 and 69 and 70 Mm -hmm. before they had a hit with schools out they just started to have a hit with I'm 18, but they hadn't really figured out their stage show yet. And it was a lot of glam and a lot of weirdness. Did Cooper ever tour with Marilyn Manson or not? Yeah, they did. They did. That's what they I thought. Finally, they, they actually did once. Yeah. But, uh, now, but, but of Cooper course, the difference. Cooper didn't take in, that as an insult, though, did he? Oh, no. No, not at all. You he see, was, he was smart enough to realize, like Kiss has always said. Yeah. And actually, actually, Alice Cooper said it about Kiss, too. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, I think Alice and Ozzy tend to look at everybody else as their wayward children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because I, I think Alice and Ozzy really kind of started it. Well, Iggy Pop too. Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop was yeah, his but own he was more kind of guy. Kinda, yeah. Oh my God, that guy was such a nihilistic fool. Oh my oh, God. He, it is amazing he survived all the crap he put himself through. I agree. <laughs> Flinging I, himself off stage onto broken glass. Oh my God, that guy's crazy. <laughs> I, I remember um, Ozzy in particular. Okay, yeah. I, I I referenced this before, but don't blame Ozzy. Is brilliant. If you can ever find it on the internet, get it. I still have it on DVDs somewhere. But don't blame Ozzy. Is like a two-hour documentary of Ozzy done by Ozzy in his camp, mm-hmm. and, and they have Motley Crue on there. And I, I before I said, you know, the US Festival or over in Moscow and yeah. how. Motley Crue and Bon Jovi were fighting over the, uh, you know, the top bill, and Ozzy just goes, "Put me on wherever." Yeah. And he was on during the daylight, and they both, and Motley Crue and Bon Jovi, were like, "Motherfuck, look at this guy." <laughs> we gotta and follow that. We gotta that. follow him. And, and they were like, and he did it during the daylight. And by the time he got done, the crowd was so worn out, they're all leaving. Like, oh, that was it. Not gonna get better. Bye. So, um, Ozzy. Because he was insane, and I always reference his stuff because to me he was brilliant in a back doorway. He didn't realize how brilliant he was, like the wig thing, you know, yeah. putting the ketchup on and all that. Mm-hmm. No, that's just a prank to him, but it's brilliant. It is. It, he was brilliant at like uh, at his own brand, but he didn't even realize it. So he was like taking this young Motley Crue band straight out of the streets of LA and he was showing them the ropes so they're like going man this guy's fucking insane we're trying to keep up with him so anyhow so so Ozzy takes and he pisses uh, on this on this concrete next to the swimming pool Uh and he jumps down starts licking it up Ah. and and then like fucking Nikki Six like oh fuck now I gotta do that (laughs) so Nikki Six fucking gets ready and he starts pissing on the ground fucking Ozzy shoves, shoves him out of the way and fucking licks his piss up too <laughs> oh. 
So then. <laughs> I'm going to hurl. Him, him and Tommy Lee were out fucking around snorting coke. And Ozzy goes over and starts fucking snorting ants. He goes, ah, oh, you fuckers will never keep up with me. And they're like, oh, my God, we're never going to. This guy is the ultimate insane. He's always on. <laughs> I, I remember hearing about these snorting the line of ants. <laughs> And coincidentally, Monday, he's having a very serious operation. Ozzy is. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to map out the rest of his life. It's sad, but the guy is very mortal. And um, I don't know how the rest of his life is going to go because last I read before this uh, surgery uh-huh. is um, he's going to London to be in his uh, mansion in the half of it that is pretty much proof of yourself. Anything that you can do to fall down or fuck up. It could be because of his Parkinson's. I don't know. Oh, okay. But so it's, it's Aussie-proofed. It's Aussie-proofed. Yeah. So he can't hurt himself. Mm. To me, that's very sad, mm-hmm. if you think about that. And number two, this operation is an operation that he hopes is going to correct the operation that went wrong. He was in that ATV accident that almost killed him yeah. 20 years ago or something. So he had all these um, bars put in his neck and his back. And, I mean, it was really bad. Yeah. It was never released how bad he was, but he was in grave shape. I mean, a few times. But this time, really, he was close to death. Yeah. They saved him, and he was fine. The original surgeon did a great job. Well, a couple of years ago, right before COVID hit, he fell oh. down the stairs in his mansion in Hollywood and he re-fucked that up. Oh, God. The surgery to amend that was a complete failure. Oh. And he's been in serious pain, so bad that he doesn't even want to live. I mean, he, he oh, is in poor guy. horrible pain right now. And this surgery coming up, he said, is going to dictate the rest of his life. Yeah. He's a, if it works, if it relieves he's the be pain, okay. then life's worth living. But if living. not, he's screwed. They can't yeah. do it again, I guess. That's yeah. it. That's that's kind of the situation that uh, Bob Welch was in, former uh, Fleetwood Mac guitar player. Oh, he had a solo yeah, yeah, career yeah. I, yeah, I forgot Sentimental all about Lady him. And I Ebony forgot Eyes. he was in Fleetwood Mac even. Yeah, he and Peter Green left to make room for uh, Buckingham, Buckingham and, and, Buckingham and, and uh, uh, Nicks. Nicks, Stevie, Stevie Nicks, Nicks yeah. that's right. But uh, Bob Welch injured his back and then had to have surgery on it to relieve the pain. But the surgery really didn't do much for him, and he was looking at a lifetime of serious back pain that pain meds really wouldn't do much for. And I do remember a little bit about that. So when the surgery didn't work out, that was when he decided to kill himself. And and his his widow also blames the drug he was on. I think it was was not Ambien, but it was. Lyrica, it was something. It was some pain reliever that really gave a lot of people suicidal thoughts. Um, it was an Antiban, is it? No, no, no. That's Vicky Cornell. But anyway, that was so. That's Vicky kinda... Cor- Cornell says that Antiban caused her husband's suicidal yeah. thoughts. As I said, so. there's a whole class of those drugs that um, you know, uh, no, I guess did Bob what they're supposed was to something do. But... Else. And then the guy uh, from Boston. He yeah, was on, Brad Delp. Brad Delp, yeah. He was on something, uh, too. Some sort of antidepressant that they said that someone was claiming yeah. caused his uh, suicidal thoughts, which led to suicide. Yeah, um, he also had an illness that he was dealing with. Yeah, he did. Um, now, I can't remember. The one thing I do remember about him, though, was he was so thoughtful. 
Yes. He put up signs that said, caution, carbon monoxide. Yep. To the people that would come and get his body. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He could have been like, fuck them, let them die too. Yeah. It's just like, why, why put them at risk just to retrieve my body? Yeah, he's kind of like really cool about it. Hey, yeah. you know, look, man, I started all this charcoal up, so there's no way around. <laughs> yeah. Open the doors up, get the fuck out. You can come get me in a little bit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let it Put a couple out. fans in here. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was cool when I read that. So uh, let's see. We were, you know, getting all the on these tangents on music, which is great. <laughs> we love music, and I feel we know enough about it to speak about it. But I was That's getting lit. ready to go to the cruise. Oh yes. Okay. Seattle being great, and Seattle <laughs> is a yeah. Seattle is a grunge town, but. It's not just a grunge town. It was a music town yeah. that's famous for grunge, just like Nashville is a music town that is famous for country. country. Yeah. So it, it's not quite kind of like it appears, because when I went there to the uh, the Pike Place Market, there's these people doing these. Um, this is they did this in Nashville too, and also the best place I've seen this done as New Orleans French Market. Mm-hmm. French Market is the other market that I forgot. Oh, yeah. The French Market in New Orleans is a really good one, too. But there's this guy that took old concert stubs from the old arena, I think is what they called it, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the old Cowtown Ballroom in Kansas City. Oh, wow. The Cowtown Ballroom. Yeah. Oh, I, yes. I used to hear about that all the time. Yeah, that thing must have been one fuck of a place. <laughs> oh, it must have been hopping. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it sounded like the place to be in the 40s or whatever. So Imagine lo- national acts touring, and they come across, oh, we're, where are we going next? Oh, we're going to Kansas City and playing the, oh, my God, we're playing in the Cowtown Ballroom. Nope. <laughs> nope, can we're going imagine? to St. Louis. Fuck you guys. Keep driving <laughs> down I-70. imagine Richie Blackmore reading that on the itinerary <laughs> going, fuck no. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Why in bloody hell are we going to a place called the Cowtown Ballroom? <laughs> I shall never play there. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that yeah, would have just, oh, just the looks <laughs> on their faces when the manager said, Cow Town Ballroom. Well, I mean, this is really cool, but um, and, uh, I helped uh, remodel at my, courtesy of my old job, I helped remodel um, um, Municipal Auditorium in downtown Kansas City. Yeah. Municipal Auditorium was a big swinging dick back in the fucking 50s, 60s, mm. mainly 60s and 70s. That was the place to go. It was a huge concert hall at the time, huge venue, beautiful new facility. Yeah. And it's a really interesting place. So we were um, working near the old dressing rooms, and I happened to wander back in there during lunch break, and there's all these pictures of uh, Kiss. In like the early wow. 70s, Elvis, mm. the Beatles, cool, the Who. There were a lot Johnny of big Cash. names that came through. Wow, yeah. Um, there were more. Um, God, I wish I could remember them all, but they're all back there. Mm. There are pictures of them back there putting their makeup on. One lady is helping Johnny Cash put his uh, silverish type of. 
it was a black suit with like some sort of silver lining. Oh, the yeah. silver lining looked appeared to go over it, and she's putting that silver lining that goes over it on his black suit. Wow. The Beatles were all back there, and they were fucking off. They were back behind stage looking, <laughs> and, and, and John was like pointing out something in there, and you could see Ringo squinting his eyes like maybe he couldn't see as well. Oh, that's and, cool. And then you could see Paul McCartney with a little grin on his face like, oh, I see it. And then George Harrison seemed to kind of be disinterested. Yeah. But it was such a great photo because it showed all of their faces so well. Just being natural, just a, just a spontaneous moment. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is so fucking cool. So what do I do? I take pictures and put it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had one opportunity to play at the Uptown Theater in a Battle of the Bands thing. And we that's had a, one of my favorite places. Uptown it is. That's, is that's nice. a lot of fun. But we had a little dressing room in the back, and uh, tons of names scratched onto the walls, band names, musician names, and I got to say, I didn't recognize one. <laughs> Not a, This would have been about 1985, I hey, think. Hey, look, Johnny Pinderton claimed here. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so Johnny by, Pinderton. <laughs> yeah. So by 1985... <laughs> At least that little dressing room, you know, maybe the better dressing rooms had the better names, you know, but that Leroy little one, Johnson. Yeah. I didn't recognize one damn name scratched into that wall. And you know what, that was a sobering moment for me because I, here I thought I was hot shit. It was like, wow, I'm backstage at the Uptown and I'm about to go on stage with my band and we're going to rock. This is going to be cool. And I looked around at all these names is like, yeah, I'm one of these people now. And then I started reading the names is like, who the fuck are these people? I have no clue. I'm just going to be just another one of these nameless people. Oh, my God, what am I doing? You know, and that's when you, you could get crippling stage Hello? fright. But <laughs> uh, j- okay. So, anyway, so I was... That kind of thing could lead to crippling stage fright, you know, when you realize that you're just another one of these nameless people backstage. <laughs> But anyway, you know. no, it actually would have helped you out if you would have went there like um, last year or this year, mm-hmm. because so many bands have played there. Like uh, Todd Rundgren is getting ready to play there. Yeah, um, Deep Purple played there. A lot, of, yeah. Chris Isaac played there. Yeah, there's a lot of bands that played there only in the last few years. Yeah. So yeah, you probably see some really awesome names on the. Yeah, on the now, now now you'd be like, but... hey, look. Look, come here. Look, there's Ian Gillen. <laughs> Back then, is like uh, fucking Jimmy uh, Jimmy Johnson. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Jimmy Squibbits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Johnny Lapitnik. Yeah. In the in the, the mid '80s, the Uptown hadn't been anything but a movie theater for quite a for quite a while. I mean, mm-hmm. for not for not very long had it. You know, it had been showing movies less than ten years before, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I remember at least for a showing long midnight time, movies. It was a completely different venue for so yeah. long. Early early seventies, I remember going down there and seeing movies, and then during the the decade of the seventies, I think it went more to art house slash midnight movies. I think you're and right. And then they didn't really start having bands there until probably late seventies, early eighties. And kind then of they thing. started realizing it's a great place for the almost bands. Yeah. I remember seeing the yeah. white play there. Remember the white? Uh-huh. 
The White was a really, really good Led Zeppelin tribute band in the uh, 80s. Mm -hmm. They were so good. I think they, they started up right after the real Led Zeppelin quit. They just like, okay, we're taking over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they did very well, and they did really, I mean, they sounded really good. And the image of them was really good. I mean, they were a top-notch one. They were probably one of the top Led Zeppelin tribute bands in yeah. America at the time. And they used to sell out the Uptown Theater. This is when concerts really sold out, not like now. Yeah. I mean, this is when uh, a concert would come by, and it would be nothing to get 17,000 people, you know, ravaged fans in there. Yeah. So, you know, they had this the, the white plane there, and this held, um, how many people you think it holds there? Hmm. Maybe a thousand altogether. At the Uptown? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking more like uh, 250, 300. Oh, is that about it? Well, I think 250 downstairs probably because. Yeah. I think I did a seat count one time because, um, uh, oh, it was Bruce Dickinson, The Spoken Word. Yeah. I watched that and it's very good. The guy could be a comedian. He is so talented. But anyhow, not to get off on that tangent again. Yeah. But I think I did a seat count and I think downstairs is like 270. It's yeah. more than you think. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it's a movie theater, but movie theaters now don't have balconies. And this had a full floor seating and a full, and ba and full a balcony. balcony. Yeah. And the balcony probably held about 100. Yeah. yeah. So. so, yeah, I could see that place holding four, four, five hundred, somewhere around there. Yeah, okay, let's say 500, okay? Yeah. So, um, the the upstairs was under 21. <clears throat> the downstairs was 21 because they had a bar. Right, I remember that. And we go there, and every damn time to go watch them, I only got to see them one time, unfortunately, because I wasn't 21 yet. Yeah. And the 18 part sold out immediately. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyhow, excuse me here. <coughs> Pollen. What they should have done is make the downstairs part 18 and yes. up and make the upstairs part 21 because they would have sold more tickets. Yes. <laughs> well, it just pissed me off to no end. I get yeah. there. Uh, how old are you? No, nope, you can't make it in. Oh, yeah. Fuck. So I remember one time it was like real slick out and me and Davey and a couple other people like drove down there risking our lives. And nope, yeah. uh -uh. I even told them to, we got to drive all the way back to Cleveland, which is south of Kansas City quite a ways. Yeah. We got to drive all the way back there and a slicker and fucking owl shit on a fucking sidewalk. And you're, you, you want us to drive back there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be careful. We're use tire chains. <laughs> so, yeah. so let's see. We got on another tangent. It's, I'm yeah. going to get to this cruise. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, the cruise was excellent. I mean, the weather there was fantastic because since on our Seattle days, the day before the day, uh, day after, uh, basically, the Seattle days were fine. The day we were there is probably about 70 degrees and sunny. Yeah. And then the day that we were getaway day, it was probably 73 to 74 degrees. Nice. And then I was reading two days ago where they got a month's worth of rain, and this is Seattle, yeah. in one day. Oh, wow. So we lucked out on that. Yeah. So we had a Tracy Arm Fjord. We had Icy Strait Fjord, and I think everyone probably knows what a fjord is. You know, it's kind of like in between a couple of uh, mountaintops, glacier type of yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, really scenic, really beautiful. We see mountain goats up on the mountains. Cool. We saw whales. We saw orca and killer whale, or, or orca and 
orca are killer whales. Yeah. They? And then humpbacks. Humpbacks, yeah. We saw orcas and humpbacks. We saw sea lions. Neat. We saw bald eagles, um, porpoises, uh, some of the most beautiful land, most scenic land I've ever seen. The cruise mm-hmm. was fine. The service was fantastic, like always. It was just incredible. Wow. And then I found out a great place to write at night. And then when we're up there in Alaska, there virtually was, wasn't was night. Yeah, yeah. There's four hours of twilight, and at 2.30 in the morning, the sun starts coming up again. <laughs> yeah. And it goes to bed about 11. Yeah. Really strange. <laughs> yeah. So strange. I look, and it's like 11.30, and it's like it is still pretty much what would we call half-assed daylight around here. Yeah. yeah. Where you could see stuff pretty well. Yeah. It is like a twilight really for four hours and then mm-hmm. it was just daylight the rest of the time so we got to Ketchikan and Ketchikan it was 86 degrees wow they were just floored by it they said man it was 50 degrees and pouring rain yesterday <laughs> they said we, we don't know what you guys are doing but this is awesome <laughs> yeah. a lot of people are just flat pissed because it's too damn hot yeah and we're like oh this is nice it's warmer in Kansas City right now <laughs> yeah so and that was beautiful. We lucked out on all the weather. The seas weren't rough. Um, Juno was 72, wow. which is unusual for them. I yeah. mean, they're, they're expecting maybe 60. Could reach 70s on some occasions, but 73 is like a real treat. And Juno is beautiful. Um, let's see. And I spoke of the fjords. The other one was Alberta, Canada, oh. uh, uh, or Victoria. Uh, yeah, Victoria, British Columbia, not Alberta. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we went to uh, Vancouver. Victoria is... <clears throat> I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's a Vancouver in Washington. There's also a Vancouver on it, British Columbia. Yeah, okay. Okay, we went to Victoria. Yeah. And, you know, that's an island, you know, right off the coast there. And mm-hmm. it's beautiful. The only problem is we got there at 8.15 in the evening because... Um, the only reason we went there in the first place is because Candace said, if, if your cruise ships are going to go through our waters, we demand that you make us one of your stops. Ah. So they want that cruise money. So they made us fill out this thing called Arrive Can. It's a big pain in the ass. Mm. You have to put all your everything in there, your vaccine records, your oh fucking gosh. negative tests, your um, pretty much just all this really invasive shit that takes forever to put in there and to download on your phone and to send to them and then we get there and they didn't even check them i was so pissed because i'm like i'm sweating bullets i had to go down to customer service and uh, i was like man i go look i went to get back on this arrive can and the password they gave me doesn't work so now i can't find it all that information i got is gone and they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't think we can help you. I said, that's something you did personally. Uh, we don't know what to do. And I said, well, I, I'm going to need it to get off the ship. And they're like, yeah, we, th- yeah, you're going to need it to get off the ship. So just by chance, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go. <laughs> so anyhow, I go through everything, and I find a still shot that I took, a, 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 a snapshot that I took of the actual barcode. Mm. And most people thought that would work, but they wasn't certain. So I had this on my phone. I'm like, all right, well, I got this, so hopefully this works. Yeah. I get there, and nothing. People are just running off the ship. They don't even care. Yeah. And (laughs) and then they make a big announcement before we get off the ship. And they go, do not feed the seagulls. 
<laughs> the seagulls are wild animals. If you feed them, they expect it and they become very aggressive. And I'm thinking, hmm, someone needs to tell the government that. <laughs> so, anyhow, what do we do? We're on our balcony and we're kind of waiting for some of the people to get off first so that we don't attend the mad rush. Everyone trying to get that extra five minutes in at the port. So, we get there and what what happens people are out throwing food to the seagulls yeah of course it's like oh fuck so anyhow no wonder people hate americans <laughs> yeah but vancouver or not vancouver but victoria was beautiful it was very nice i mean the people were nice we went to this bar and pub there had a couple of beers had a couple of craft brews had some uh, fried pickles and um oh um pickle flavored wings Wow. They were good. That's really an good. interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I went for uh, on a search of what my cousin uh, showed me every time I go up to Ontario where he lives. They have this thing up there called beaver tails. <laughs> and they're kind of like a dessert thing you get off of food trucks. But I asked for beaver tails. They don't have them around there. <laughs> beaver tails. I know. I Everybody that. giggles. <laughs> but one of the best places to write just material and just whatever mm -hmm. is up on the Lido deck at night when hardly anyone's around just some stragglers yeah so I'm up there and the boat's swaying I'm just like man I'm writing all this shit down and coming up with all these ideas <laughs> and I'm like wow yeah I kind of like this idea I think we need to talk about this and that and I'm writing it all down on my laptop and I notice people kind of rubberneck there's nothing else going on so they kind of like spy and read your shit. <laughs> I think to see if you're really like working or if you're just like fucking looking up biggest snot bubble. <laughs> so I, I'm like, I'm like these fuckers, they're all eavesdropping on me. So I wrote down, I have a boil on the end of my nutsack in big letters. <laughs> And I left it up. <laughs> you should have seen the double takes. <laughs> <laughs> These fuckers are walking around. Right. <laughs> 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 the fuckers. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that, you fucking eavesdropper? Eat a bag of shit. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you can type in, I enjoy killing eavesdroppers. <laughs> <laughs> You're next. Yes. <laughs> So <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I kind of got my point across. <laughs> yeah. So while while we're on um, Seattle and the cruises, do you want to hear the story about um, the Edgewater Hotel, or do you want? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's do the Edgewater. Okay. Well, the Edgewater Hotel is a hotel that was built over the water, over the ocean. And it was come up with this idea because the World's Fair in 1962 was held in Seattle. Oh, So yeah. this is where yeah. they uh, came up with the idea for the Space Needle and other attractions around Seattle to, uh, you know, get the world's attention. You know, Seattle's really cool. Look at this. You know, we got a Space Needle. Yeah. We have this hotel. The, the series of investors got together and they said, hey, let's build this hotel over the ocean. And it will sell like crazy. We'll make all our money back in the month that is here. And then we'll just sell it. Yeah. Well, they had no idea of the the idea of the logistics or what everything it's going to take to do this. So the project runs over. 
and it is fully built and ready to move in a week after the World's Fair has left Seattle. Lord. Uh, yeah, so, you know, this, you know, this gimmick that they came up with was a great idea, but they just did not have an idea of the timeline. Yeah. So they were like, man, you know, gosh, we, we lost all this money. What do we do? So they came up with this great idea. This is the only hotel that you can fish out of your window on your bed. Oh, my God. So they put the beds <laughs> next to the windows that you can open up, throw your line out, and fish in the ocean. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what happens after that? People are dumbasses, stupid, don't care. So they start gutting fish on the carpet. Oh. They start keeping fish alive in the uh, in the bathtubs. <laughs> Daddy, don't uh, kill the poor fish. Yeah, yeah, all of this stuff going on. Oh my god! And, and people getting smacked in the head with lures because they're down below, and someone oh. throws their lure. Comes oh yeah! Oh, you know, and you whip up the cast, and you get off. the guy on the floor above you. Yeah. And... So all these problems arise. Oh, yeah. So, and I do believe that the Edgewater Hotels where we previously spoke about Led Zeppelin and the woman getting the fin. Yes. You can look this up, people, you know, we won't get really into it, but well, you know, they got pretty bored sexually because they had everything right there. So, yeah. so poor guy, you know, this is like, they, they, they just keep losing money on this. They don't know what to do. So the Beatles are coming there uh, to Seattle. Yeah. The Beatles were very famous for finding hotels that were not on the beaten path. Mm-hmm because they weren't going to go stay down at the in Kansas City would be at the Lowe's, you know, cuts the newest, fanciest, nicest hotel, beautiful view, right, everything brand right. new. They wouldn't stay there because people knew that they would be there. Yeah. So they found these weird, odd hotels either off the edge of town or in town, but no one would suspect them being there because it looked like a dump. Yeah. The yeah. Edgewater Hotel fit this profile. So they're like, you know what? We're going to stay at the Edgewater, and no one will know they're there. Yeah, I'm kidding. Well, people found out they were there. Ah. And, and, and the week or so that they were there, women were renting boats and scaling the walls, trying to get to them and all different kinds oh of shit. God. And I guess it's like a big deal, a big whoopla, because people are, <laughs> mainly women, are trying to get to them, and they're coming up with all these elaborate schemes and figuring out all this bullshit to do. And so it was a big chaotic thing. So... After this was all over, they had proof that the Beatles stayed there in, in all the rooms that they were in. Yeah. So they made all their money back with uh, with all the Beatles paraphernalia. Like, this is where uh, John Lennon drank out of this vessel. Uh, you know, Paul McCartney ate off of this. Um, yeah. And, and this is before the Internet, so I'm not quite sure how they did it. These are the sheets that the Beatles slept on. Yes. Yeah, Paul McCartney jizzed on some random bitch <laughs> right here. You know. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the real Paul McCartney, not the one that's in there now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, the Edgewater Hotel, they ended up making all their money back years later. And it started as a gimmick and it ended as a gimmick. And it's still open today. All right. You can go in there and not fish, but I don't know, maybe look out into the ocean. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Yeah. See all the uh, sea barges going by with all the Chinese products. Yeah. <laughs> couple of yachtsters trying to get to the real fish on the other side of town whatever <laughs> yeah. 
So that was pretty interesting. And that was just one of the stories that I took from there that I, I found kind of worthy to, like, maybe a, a mention. Yeah. So. You have been listening to Two Douchebags and a Microphone podcast. As always, we thank you. And if you would like to leave a comment for the show, we have a phone number for that. one 877 douche 9